better or worse, the relationship between science, film, and media has long been intertwined. We're here to dissect that relationship, turning it inside out for all to see. And throughout the years, one truth has revealed itself. You don't need good science to make a good movie. But it sure makes it better. Hi, everyone, and welcome to The Real Science Podcast, the podcast where three highly qualified professionals pick a movie and then pick apart the science. My name's Kenan Smith. My name is Sean Crossan. My name is Michael Pace. What's up, everybody? This is a mailbag episode. We're going to read a bunch of questions, and we're going to answer them with our voices because we didn't want to watch a movie today. <laughs> Kenan, Kenan, I'd really love to see what's inside your mailbag. Uh, <laughs> Sean, how are you doing? Pace, uh, so the listeners can't see this, but Pace raised his eyebrows in a very seductive manner when he was confronted again with that question and it's making me a little uncomfortable i also fully believe that pace is uh hitting on me because much like a person in a bar he is eating mixed nuts for dinner <laughs> <laughs> yes hey, and and a nice dry riesling to go along with it all right well now i trust you less <laughs> as you should <laughs> well <laughs> only traders drink white wine Yep, that so. is true. Traitors <laughs> to everything. That's all I have in my fridge. So. Uh, okay. I didn't know there were so many facts about white wine drinkers that are being laid down here. because white wine basically sucks. White so. wine is literally <laughs> the worst drink I can possibly think of. It's horrific. <laughs> Other it's so than bad. grapefruit juice. Grapefruit juice is also fucking garbage. <laughs> Let's not get into grapefruit juice. Grapefruit juice is very good, especially with gin as well. Hi, guys. We got a question this week. It came in from, oh, Ryan Reynolds at... Uh, 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 she took the Chevy to the levee and the levee was rye. Uh, what is the worst drink? Oh, it's grapefruit juice, Ryan. No Guys, problem. Thanks. I've, <laughs> I just had an out-of-body experience <laughs> where I watched myself listening to you guys and realized that my entire role for this podcast is literally just to hold together the fucking <laughs> tangential glue that is Kenan and Pace. <laughs> <laughs> One of our listeners actually said that as part of our question. I actually saw that in the question, and now I've realized that it's so true, it's, like, scary to me. You're, you're really making a self-fulfilling prophecy here, Sean. You know, let's not, let's not go overboard with well, Yeah, I feel like you're reaching here. Well, that's why uh, I took a second to sit back and let you guys just talk about white wine and grapefruit juice. And- <laughs> well, I'm going to prove you wrong, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read our first questions. You guys fucking ready? Yep, I'm ready. Okay, sweet. So our first question comes in from Peter Hayes. Oh, sorry, friend of the podcast, Peter Hayes, uh, who writes in uh, through our Gmail. Can you describe why you three chose the areas of specialization that you did for your PhDs? What about it did you find so interesting as to devote that much of your God, that much of your life to to its study? Oh man, that's kind of harrowing to read out loud. <laughs> uh huh. Uh huh. Hey, you guys are out of academia, at least. Yes. Well, you are a fool and a champion. I love it. <laughs> Um, it's also worth noting that Anthony Martinez and, uh, and Alme, uh, asked similar questions. Both friends of the um, podcast. And we'll... So thank, thank you for your guys' interest in this topic. Yeah, absolutely. Sean, since you are the only one who's still actually a scientist, um, why don't you go first? Uh, okay. So actually, I, I don't really have like some... I don't know, profound answer where I was like, oh, I've always loved this since I was a kid. I found a virus in a bottle and I raised it back to health and stuff. <laughs> what it's, the fuck? Yeah, you know, you know. Dude, most, most scientist origin stories are complete bullshit. <laughs> That's oh worth saying. God. 
my my origin story is that I uh, went to college. I always knew I loved science, so I did love science from a young age, and I was a chemistry major at UNC, and I realized that I didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do, but I wanted to get some experience, so I ended up working in a lab there that worked on breast cancer research, and even though from that experience, I didn't know that I wanted to specifically stay in that field but i knew that i wanted to do scientific research for a career because i enjoyed it so much Mm -hmm. so then when i came to university of florida for grad school i actually did a bunch of rotations in different labs and in my third lab i found out about adeno associated virus which is the virus i work on and kenan worked on too and still works on and uh, i really just i don't know i learned about how it's being used to potentially treat diseases that have never been treated before. Um, And I thought that it seemed like just really, really interesting to me that we have, it opens up a whole new avenue of like clinical treatments for people. So I sort of, I don't know, I got excited about it. I got passionate about it. And that's why I chose the field that I'm in. So it was really more that I just had exposure to a bunch of different things. And I just sort of kind of fell in love with AAV. So. Yeah, I remember uh, Sean was the first person I met in our program uh, because we both interviewed at UF at the same time. And uh, I we got back from a tour or something that we were supposed to be professional at during the interview weekend. And I was standing in the hotel like on a chair going bar, bar, beer, beer, and like pointing at people. And Sean pointed at me from out of the crowd of people and was like, beer let's go get a beer yeah we it was definitely love at first sight it was (laughs) we went and got some nachos and a beer yeah i for those of the listeners i guess don't know this but yeah so i met kenan like before i even got accepted to uf and we basically saw each other at the interview and then parted ways after the interview and then both came to uf and looked each other up and we're like oh shit we're in the same program we both came here so yeah it was fucking wild yeah (laughs) but yeah so that's i mean that's how i got involved in the field that i'm in uh pace how about you would you like me to go next or or canon whichever sure no i want to hear pace so believe it or not uh whenever i was in high school actually it's not hard to believe i hated science in high school i thought it was the worst really um yeah 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 absolutely i did i did not enjoy my science classes at all i think it's because i had bad science teachers Mm -hmm. um who also didn't know that much about science in retrospect i fell in love with the idea of science actually because i had a good teacher finally in my senior year of high school and i was high school high school psychology um and that was the first time i was really exposed to what actual good science is and it also just led to a, just a general fascination with the brain in general looking at emotion and memory and thinking and think thinking to myself wow it could be awesome to actually understand what these processes are like at the cellular level and so i actually went into college thinking I was going to be a psychiatrist. Oh, so what we call you the like show psychiatrist, we're not that far off. Well, no, we're just 100% <laughs> correct. That's crazy. I mean, I, yeah, I wanted to be, I wanted to go to med school, be a psychiatrist. Am I, uh, probably up until my junior year of college um, at Indiana University mm-hmm. when I was exposed to a class which this class literally changed my life this class was molecular and cellular neuroscience and it was this kind of unification of molecular biology and psychology uh 
that made me fall in love with neuroscience itself. And not only did I enjoy learning how the brain worked, I then joined a lab at Indiana University that studied how the brain fucked up, which I found to be so much more interesting mm. than studying how the brain works. I, for whatever reason, uh, it got me really interested in, in uh, Alzheimer's disease and neurodegenerative diseases. Um, and so <laughs> the craziest thing is that to get my PhD, all that really had to happen was I just asked my undergraduate advisor, do you think I can get a PhD? He was like, yeah, you probably could. I was like, oh, well, good enough for me. Oh, my so, God. Um, <laughs> that is you and everyone else that went to fucking grad school. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so that led to my time at the University of Florida studying uh, studying Alzheimer's disease. But I will – I mean, the question is what led you to uh, like, like you know, devote so much time to the fields that we were interested in. The answer is I fell into it on accident. And I'm mostly glad that I did it. I really just wanted to figure out how thoughts and memory worked and it manifested in that way. So here we are. Yeah. I mean, I feel like a lot of us also, it's not like we were born, like destined to go and do scientific research, but I think a lot of us also probably had a mentor that was pretty influential. Like I know my undergraduate, uh, the postdoc I worked with, um, she was like super influential in like getting me into research. So. Kenna, what do you what do you think? How'd you get into your field? Yeah, uh, well, I mean, we all did a, a an intro on why we first got into science, right? I mean, I have always kind of been interested in science. I think just by proxy, because I, I I grew up in a in a household with a biology professor who was my dad, who was very dad about everything, over explaining everything, giving facts and pointing things out and. You know, that, that slowly went from interest, and then as I turned into a teenager, it was all, fuck you, dad, I'm an artist now. Uh, and so, <laughs> I, actually so originally, <laughs> I actually originally went to undergrad for, uh, for graphic design uh, and was in an art program for uh, about, about a semester. Um, and then was still taking classes a little bit, uh, a little bit into the second semester. But I switched over to uh, a biology major after a semester of art and was kind of just breezing through everything uh, because I'd been hearing all of this for years and years and years. And then my sophomore year, I took a chemistry class, fell in love with that, like got really, really into it. The guy who was teaching my chemistry course, was an intro chemistry course, his name was Dr. Holbert. Uh, he eventually became my undergrad PI uh, because I told him that, you know, I wanted to work in a laboratory. I wanted to try research and I would wash dishes if, it, if I had to. Like, I just kind of wanted to be around science. And he eventually gave me a project working on protein structures. And I did a lot of computational work predicting three-dimensional protein structures based off of pre-existing structures and, you know, doing a lot of protein building in general. Uh, and that morphed into his suggestion that I apply to apply to UF specifically to work in the McKenna lab. Um, hey, how about that though? Yeah, and so and I went and looked up their work, and I looked up you know Dr. Robert McKenna, uh, who would later become sort of a co-PI for me, uh, and I was like, yeah, hell yeah, I want to work on, I want to be a crystallographer for the rest of my life. Then I never applied to grad school after about a year. Dr. Hobart sent me an email and said, hey, if you don't apply, I won't write you a recommendation. Uh, so I did because I didn't wow. want to work at Best Buy for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that's really it, Doctor Herbert? Yeah, like, give you an ultimatum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I was always like, yeah, I'll probably go to grad school eventually, and just fucking yeah. So sort of like, sort of like a lot of people have, you know, a mentor did get me 
interested in grad school, but it was mostly because I didn't want to lose my recommendation. <laughs> um, <laughs> wow, I never knew that. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny. Once I got there, I uh, like sort of like what Sean did, and you know, uh, to a lesser degree, what Pace mentioned. I rotated in a bunch of different labs. One of those was Rob's lab, and the other one was uh, his wife's lab, Doctor Mavis Ekbonjer McKenna. Uh, and she was working on virus structure and looking at it by cryo-electron microscopy, uh, which I thought was just way, way, way cooler than crystallography. So I kind of fell into that and kept working on it forever. And I'm really glad I ended up in structure because because a lot of what I do is basically still art. Like I look at, I do 3D design for viruses. Oh, stop coming full circle, Canon. Yeah, they are very Jeez. actually impressive images. Like, I guess most people probably haven't seen structures of the AAV capsid, but mm-hmm. it is pretty cool looking. Yeah, I love it. It worked out. I will say really quick, one thing that I've kind of noticed about people who eventually get PhDs, like how, who their parents are and who they raise them was a very important thing. Um, and always, it always kind of like boggled my mind a little bit. I, I mean... I came from not exactly the most scientific of households. I was never discouraged from studying science, mm-hmm. but I did not have parents who were kind of like driving me towards science. It really was a very accidental occurrence for me personally. It's awesome. So I like our stories. We have such yeah. good stories, guys. We have such great stories. Oh, geez. Stories. I hate talking about myself. Wow. Well, then why don't you read, why wow. don't you read one of our uh, less scientific based questions i would i would really just love to okay. uh this this one also comes from peter hayes uh and this question is very exciting it's like it's a really good question i and i i, I want to know what his inspiration was um the question is would a giant marshmallow man mm-hmm. that's 100 feet tall with you so far stay puff marshmallow man be able to support its own weight and move on its own interesting quite yeah sean uh you are our resident evolutionary biologist can you please lend <laughs> oh, some I? of your can you please lend some of your expertise to this question and sort of pick it apart and tell us what you think about a living marshmallow boy sorry a marshmallow man yeah he's it's clearly a, a man a, mar- a marshmallow being that has advanced past the age of where it has a mortgage Okay, so this very adult marshmallow is uh, <laughs> is very, very tall, uh, has a lot of responsibilities, you know, pays taxes, drops his kids off at school, all that stuff. But, you know, so the question is not about how he's adulting so well. It's about how he's physically able to exist. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think yeah. that, I mean, listen, I'm not a marshmallow scientist, but if you stack marshmallows on top of each other... They don't collapse under the weight of the marshmallows. So, like, it really just depends how much air is in the marshmallow. Like, they probably will compress a little bit, but it's not like they're going to be, like, flattened, you know? So, I mean, you could definitely build a giant marshmallow, man. I think I think you could. You so just probably have some ankle problems. The, the marshmallow itself is made... Of sugar. And sugar gelatin. water, sugar <laughs> water. Yeah, it's made of sugar, sugar, gelatin, water, and air. Yeah, it's pu- it's uh, it's puffed. So there's a lot of air there. It's puffy puffed, and it stays if, puffed. That is for sure. What if your marshmallow man? What if your marshmallow man had a very very starch heavy recipe mm. where you have just 
a little more of maybe that like uh, like, like cornstarch or, or or something that would really give it a little more give your marshmallow man a little more backbone. Are we assuming here that the uh, Stay Puft Marshmallow Man in this case? The adult. <laughs> Does he watch porn as well? Like, no. What the fuck? No. Mar- wait, marshmallow porn. No, Holy shit! No, I want you to. Ba- no, we're a science cast. We can't talk about marshmallow porn yet. Um, <laughs> okay. Are we assuming that this boy has uh, ligaments and tendons and all the necessary things you need for locomotion? Yeah, I mean they're just made of marshmallow. No, well, he's just literally fucking marshmallow. He can't move. Here's the There's thing, no Ken. The question is, would it matter? Because he's made of only marshmallow. No, that's what I'm asking. Like, does does he have the the ability to be ambulatory? Because my, all right, so I have two different fields of thought in this. First, I think that provided he would be able to stay together, a giant marshmallow man would make more sense in the ocean uh, because he doesn't require a skeleton. That is not how marshmallows work. <laughs> Marshmallows would fucking fall apart so fucking fast. I think marshmallows would dissolve in the ocean. Listen, if I said if he wasn't going to dissolve in the ocean, it would make more sense for him to be in the ocean. Sorry, did I just pull a full pace on that and just miss the first thing you said? (laughs) Okay. Listen, Kenan, all you did was say that, how, like, how do you have a marshmallow that is comprised of sugar and gelatin not dissolve in water? Like I don't know. Maybe he has uh, a hard candy shell. Did you like polyurethane him or something? Yes. Like, yes. No. He's been he starched. An exoskeleton made of that's a good crispy, crispy, crunchy chocolate. That's a good point. Maybe he has an chocolate exoskeleton. Also chocolate. melts, Pace. What are you guys Shut saying up, right Sean. now? Listen, I'm not Doctor Wonka. I don't know what to tell you here. <laughs> All right, but if we are going to say the other school of thought here is that if we are going to say that uh, the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man is ambulatory so just getting past that right um i think he probably falls into the realm of issues where he is much larger than an organism can be on earth um because there's a thing called terrestrial gigantism i'm sure as many people know uh that remarks on basically the size of megafauna and there's an upper limit to what we can do with large body size uh, hey, Kevin, I have the real answer to the question. Okay. One, it's a giant pile of marshmallows. Okay. It's the Stay Puft Marshmallow. This is like straight from Ghostbusters, right? Okay. All right. The reason it's able to move is not because it has any uh, physiological structure that constitutes like muscles or anything like that. Okay. It's that a ghost has, pe- has possessed the marshmallows. <laughs> Well, this doesn't count then. No, 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 no. So a ghost. So yeah. So to answer the question, yes, the marshmallows would be able to stand up in a man shape. No, they would not be able to move unless they are possessed by a ghost. I think I should. I actually think that that checks out. If they're possessed by a ghost, you can just move the marshmallows because you don't need muscles. The ghost is just floating them. Just, I still think the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man makes more sense underwater, but that's just me. Kenan? Kenan, it's going to dissolve. It's no, but this is... Un- yeah, all right, we can't suspend dis- <laughs> disbelief for an undissolvable marshmallow, but we're okay yes. with a ghost inhabiting the, the giant corpse of a marshmallow man? That's where I draw the line, Kenan. It's fine. <laughs> I just think he would feed like a sea anemone and just kind of like... Wave his chubby little See arms. Mem- in the ocean. Mem- 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 Kenan, you're See you're mem- speaking mem- the impossible right now. This just Whatever. can't be done. Let's move on. I'm just angry. All right, let me just read this question from Bart Hoffman, friend and patron of the show. Thank you, Bart, for your question. Bart says, "Choose a role 
for one of your podcasting buddies out of the movies that you've watched. And then he gives an example. My picks are... Ken, so this is uh, relative to Armageddon. My picks are Kenan as Bruce Willis, uh, Pace as Matt Damon in The Martian, because he talks even when nobody is listening, <laughs> and <laughs> Sean as Joy, because he's obviously the glue holding this cast together. <laughs> so Bart, thank you for your question. Um, that is such a great piece of insight into our dynamic here on the show. Yeah, that's a good it's not point. Bad. It's not bad. It's not bad. So I guess like we have to pick any of the movies and choose roles for ourselves and our podcasting buddies. All right, I guess Jesus. like you picked that a means, hard question. Yeah, this that means that we question. have to. We should all do each other. All right, hell yeah! <laughs> Finally, this also requires us to remember all the movies we've watched. <laughs> it really does. There's so many. There's so um, many. Gosh, if only there was some way that we could possibly look any of that information up. God, like if, if only, only there was some record. No, I'm already going to Podbean. It's fine. Listen, here's the important thing is that Sean is Osmosis Jones and Pace is Drix the Pill. (laughs) That's actually (laughs) very good. That's very good. Those are are my (laughs) votes. You guys have to pick other stuff. Wait, Kenan, you have to cast yourself, dude. I am... uh, It could be more fun if we picked just one movie. The lead character from Reanimator. <laughs> okay. Oh boy! All Jim right. Reanimator. Je- Jeff Reanimator. <laughs> yeah. Man, quite the ego ho- over here. Um, I'm gonna say that Kenan is what is his fucking name? Why am I? Kenan Smith uh, is my full name. No, no, no. What's his name? Sam Hill. What in the Sam Hill? <laughs> That's what is his fucking name? Sam Neil. Oh, okay. I'll take Sam Neil. Yeah, you're Sam Neil. I was like. I kept thinking Sam Hill, and I'm like, this is not right. So I would say Kenan is Sam Neill in Jurassic Park, and Pace is sort of like, oh, I mean, I guess he'd be the gold bloom in this scenario, but like, <laughs> but I wouldn't really cast Pace. Maybe he's more of a Newman, <laughs> sort of. Pace is not a Newman. Come on. We've said some mean things to Pace, but he's not Wayne Knight. Mm, he's not Wayne Knight. Yeah, I'm definitely not Wayne Knight. For sure. Pace is Laura Dern. I would actually propose that uh, Pace is Lex um, because I could very easily see Pace going, I'll handle this. I'm a hacker. <laughs> Maybe. Oh, wait, how about this? How about this? We'll what are have, you trying to say, Kenan? I'll have Pace be Sam Neill and Kenan, you're Muldoon. That's for okay. sure how this I'm is okay going with down. That. Yeah, you're Muldoon. Clever and Sean. I'll be Jeff Goldblum. Okay. That makes clever, a lot of clever. sense. <laughs> Sean, you're Richard Attenborough, and you fucking know it. Yeah, okay, you're right, I am. <laughs> I just want my dream to come alive, guys. Oh you know, my gosh, you are Richard Attenborough. Yeah. It's, so, it's, it's so simple. You're just yeah. going to look like Richard Attenborough when you're old. Absolutely. I'll take it, that's fine. He's got a cool look going on. He does. Yeah. I'll be Richard right, Attenborough. Pace, we've fucking vamped long enough. Oh, yeah, wait, Pace. can I Can I do this too? Yes, you have yeah, to. Yeah, that's what we're saying. He's Okay. He's pressuring right. you to go. I'm ready. No, I'm ready. If you recall, there was a movie we watched called Flatliners. Yes. Right? <laughs> yes. And where the main character, Nelson Wright, played by Keeper Sutherland, is is trying to come back from the dead. And in this scenario, Kenan is obviously Keeper Sutherland as Nelson Wright in Flatliners. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sean, on the other hand, is probably a combination of of William Baldwin and Oliver Platt, as in like 
uh, playboy, but also play it safe. Playboy and play safe. Playboy it safe. That's what you're saying. At the same time. Play yeah. safe, boy. Yes. Play it yes. safe, boy. And then I would cast myself as Kevin Bacon in that film. Um, well, that seems self-serving, but interesting. And that's my decision. Very interesting. That's my decision. Interesting. Wow. Hmm. Hmm. What a cast. To what be cast. honest, though, I I probably should have put a little more research into this. I mean, uh, but I, I actually feel okay with my decision. If it makes you feel any better, Sean did just now read the question to you, and we've had to come up with answers on the fly. Yeah. So <laughs> it's not like we have the power of editing to cut out time where we think of things. <laughs> that would be nice if we did though right yeah if only someone could invent that beedly beedly beep uh so this next question comes from uh tori uh at skinny dogs on uh twitter uh and they ask what is your pettiest pet peeve about the way science is depicted in movies or in tv mine is the complete lack of understanding how personal protective equipment works i mean sh- sure i have an answer for this just All right, straight off the that. bat let's hear it my personal pet peeve is how in most science movies, items that are supposed to be frozen are just not <laughs> fucking frozen. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a universal issue just that we kept like, coming across. We have, we have talked about that. this on the show a lot, right? Yep, things will come out of what is clearly supposed to be liquid nitrogen or minus 80 degrees Celsius, and they will be liquid as fuck. Yeah. yeah. And they will yep. have no, there's always a ton of fog, no frost on anything. No frost, no nothing. So that is my pet peeve. I think there's one movie we watched where, like, they kind of had that down. Yeah, I'm actually kind of annoyed now that I don't remember which one it was because I remember losing my goddamn mind about it. Yeah, I feel like they pulled the tube out and, like, wiped a fro- wiped some frost away or something. We were like, whoa! Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But I know in Jurassic Park, we watched it and the tubes are literally full of liquid. Yep. They come. Right so. the fuck out of the freezer. Yeah. Right. Like unless the unless what's in the tubes is just more liquid nitrogen, like I don't know how that's even possible. It's just so, fucking glycerol. It's, yeah, it's just glycerol. glycerol, yeah. Sugar water. It's fucking sugar water. What about you, Pace? <laughs> um Alright. My I think the thing that I keep coming back to in my head mm-hmm. is that when you're in space. No one can hear you scream. No one can hear you scream. Because of the vacuum of space. But the actual legit answer I have is that almost every space movie that we watched, they don't really seem to take into account the amount of UV radiation that the characters would be experiencing during the time they're in space mm-hmm. and how harmful it is. That's true. Um, given they have to do that for plot and to make the movie be able to last more than five minutes. Um but that's the thing that always gets me. It's just kind of like set aside as a non-issue. Mostly it's space movies that actually have the problems, which is mostly because we don't really understand space that well mm-hmm. yet. And as an astronaut, I can understand why some of those things would particularly perturb you the most. Yeah, yeah. That's that's definitely uh, my area of expertise. I was uh, went to Purdue to become an aerospace engineer mm-hmm. space uh, to follow in. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, that's what it's also called. To follow in Neil Armstrong's footsteps, because I really wanted to be Buzz. Um, you said, I'm, I'm going to go after Neil, and your mom didn't know what you meant at the time, but when you <laughs> first set the, a footfall on the planet Mars, then she knew. She, she, said yeah. that. she looked up. Then she knew. And she then, looked up uh, into the sky and said, that's my boy. That's, 
That's my boy Buzz. So basically, if Pace had his way for the accuracy of movies, there would just be a scene of everybody, like, you know, the rocket taking off, and then it would sort of cut ahead to, like, 30 minutes later, and there would just be a bunch of skeletons in a spaceship. Right, right, right. (laughs) That's right. Or every movie where people went to space would end with them having to go through chemotherapy. Yeah. That's right. Realism above all is is my philosophy. (laughs) My biggest pet peeve is... The speed at which anything is done. Um, Interesting. The every single science anything that we've ever watched that I've ever seen, um, with maybe the exception of The Martian, which uses montages and sna- smash cuts to imply that time has passed, uh, and maybe, although it still does this, uh, Contagion. They um, definitely do this. <laughs> I was going to mention Contagion. Yeah, there 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 are things where like. In Contagion, where processes that would normally take weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks are done in, like, a couple of days. And there are some times where I remember we looked at the movie and we were talking about it and we said, oh, maybe they just have enough money and enough people working on this that it got done very quickly. And there are other times where we were like, oh, fucking gay. No, nobody <laughs> nobody did this <laughs> in Didn't a day. They, I remember specifically in Contagion, which was our first episode, they developed a structure for this new virus in like yes. one day. And yes, it's literally in 24 like a, hours. Yeah, it's like a PhD project. Like Yes, there's a scene where they're looking at the structure of the virus and somebody's like, the receptor here fits into the virus here. And one of them goes, like a lock and key. That's <laughs> so fucking... And then that means I had a structure for the receptor too. Which is like, yes. For the receptor for well, a virus that they be... just figured out existed one day ago. It wouldn't be as dramatic if it wasn't so fast. It's no, everyone fast. would be dead if it wasn't so fast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. People, everyone would have died on planet Earth. Yeah. That's right. And then we wouldn't be here to record this podcast because we'd be dead. That's true. We'd all be dead. Well, no, we could just be ghosts all inhabiting the bodies of large marshmallows. Large marshmallows, yeah, exactly. Or recording our podcast underwater where we no, can sustain no, no, our no, body no, weight. Kenan, that's still impossible. We're going to do another mailbag episode soon, so keep in touch. Subscribe, like this video. Uh, (laughs) we are not on YouTube do not try to find us on YouTube thumbs up give me more karma so I can post more on reddit or whatever Uh, thank you very much for listening we really appreciate it thank you uh, very much for sending in questions Uh, keep sending in questions for our regular episodes Um, anything that we don't use we have started to throw into a big pile and then we will be able to use those for later mailback episodes or as backups um and I'd also like to encourage everyone to go check out our Patreon, where we are trying to grow uh, our podcast, grow and m- enable us to add more content as we we kind of move along. Um, 2019 is going to be a big year for us, and we're going to rebrand ourselves, and we're going to do a lot of cool stuff for you guys. Bring it on That's the right. internet so you can listen to it, and then That's you'll right. be horny in your heart for us. <laughs> That's right. If you're not already, not God. already. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, so thank you also thank you to our current patrons who actually give us their real live money yeah. to support our show yeah you guys, it really Keep means the wheels on yeah this one's for you guys everybody else I'm horny in my heart for you guys <laughs> that's right um, real quick Kenan what's the potential if, if people are feeling interested in becoming a patron what's some of the content they might be able to expect down the road yeah so our plan at the moment is to kind of incrementally add stuff of increasing complexity depending on where we're at so our next tier is to upgrade all of our recording equipment which needs to happen anyway so hopefully that'll 
the, that ball will get rolling. Uh, and then I think we'll probably revisit some of the tiers that we're going to be putting additional content at. But the plan is to add um, more recordings, basically, for different uh, uh, with different subject matters. So, for instance, where I, I know <laughs> I very much look forward to uh, Sean's proposed section that we could do recording on, which is current trends in pseudoscience. Uh, I know Pace has a big hankering to do uh, to crack into some science and science policy, uh, and I would very much like to cover the science in video games and TV. So all these things could be uh, additional uh, bits of content that we add and bring to you guys either by uh, biweekly or on a weekly basis, depending on um, what we end up getting the bandwidth for. You know, yeah, depending on how much support we get, really. And there could also be a lot more kind of behind the scenes stuff kind of like we're doing today but different depending on what the demand is so yeah also an option yeah yeah sure and eventually we will play a tabletop rpg known as starfinder on this show if we get enough people to donate to our patreon yeah i want to run an all scientist uh uh uh, starfinder campaign so yes that'd be awesome hell yeah anyway that's all the time we have today my uh, thank you very much for listening my name is ken smith my name is sean crossan I'm Dr. Peasy. Oh, boy. And you don't need good science to make a good movie. Breast cancer can suck my dick. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. That's the end of the show. Fuck. All I know is that I would really like to rub Sonic's legs. Ugh. Sonic's legs are so bad. Why did they do that? <laughs> I don't know. Like, I want to know why the fuck Sonic has such shapely legs and arms. Well, they didn't seem that shapely, did they? They seem just kidding? furry. Have you ever actually just seen Sonic? Like, Google Sonic real quick. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. No, I know. It's just like, they're just like, they're just like <laughs> blue sticks. Yes. He's mostly blue sticks. They are just blue sticks. But they... Hold on. Actually, not even that. His arms are fleshy. They're fleshy sticks, and he's got big Mickey gloves on. Mmm. Love those fleshy sticks. He's got those fleshy sticks for arms. I mean, they have... It's human. Hey, I like your fleshy sticks. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, I get it. Like, I'm just... I'm upset that they gave him runner's legs. I don't like it. Kenan, what kind of legs is Sonic gonna have, though? Wait, is there a Sonic movie? There is. Sean, I don't... How? How? There's a Sonic movie. You use the internet. I don't know. I understand how you haven't seen this. My connection's yet. really bad, so I, I don't get everything. <laughs> <laughs>